Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I'm going to have a midlife crisis when I'm like 76. (laughs) What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I don't feel sad exactly. I just feel blah. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. I might still marry George Clooney. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. You never wanted to do it anyway, so stop worrying that you didn't do it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about midlife crises. Oh, midlife crises. What are they? Are we having one? Do they last like for a day or a decade? Can you have more than one? I think think it depends. depends. What do you do about them? Are our midlife crises different from men's midlife crises? I have thoughts, I have studies, and we have listener advice. I'm going to say yes. Mm-hmm. I think we should start by defining midlife because I remember my mother getting very annoyed with me when I was referring to myself as middle-aged when I was 40 because she was like, you are not middle-aged because it bothered her that she had a middle-aged third child and I'm like I think 40 is middle age though like I mean 45 you're living to 90 50 you're living to 100 I think we're in middle age yes so midlife I looked at that it's sort of broadly defined as 40 to 60 the area the I think that makes sense although again another thing that I want to discuss about this is how midlife has changed so radically I was just listening to a podcast about whether or not there should be forced retirement And should there be an age where people have to stop doing their jobs, which is becoming more and more relevant as our presidents are getting over 80 generally. Right. And one of the hosts was saying that their grandfather was forced to retire from like IBM or one of those big companies that you went to work at 20. At guess what age? Like 48, something like that. 55, but still really young. Age means something a lot different than it used to. I actually have some research on this for you. That's what's crazy. Like forced retirement at 55 blew my mind. Right, right. That seems to me as a person not too far from that number. Like, whoa. Like you would just start be expected to be like going on cruises and playing golf for the rest of your life at 55. Yeah. So there's this guy, Howard Chudikoff. He's a historian. I'll put the link in the show notes. He wrote this whole book about how the way we experience age completely changed in the 20th century. He argues like post-World War II that at the beginning of the 20th century, say like 
if you were 40 years old in 1910, both your parents were definitely long gone. You might have had another 20 years ahead of you. Somebody else might have 40 years. Somebody else might be dead already. You know, and like pretty much you're in a very different phase. And then somehow rapidly in the post-World War II era, we turned into if you're 40, like, of course, both your parents are around. You feel like you have decades of life left. If you're lucky, you're not like on the wind down at 55 to the graveyard. And that completely changed things. Because it's not totally somehow, because it's also antibiotics. Like, that's right. so much of it, right? Like, like longevity. It's just the basic, like, very baseline, what we think of now as, like, medical treatments are, we're totally revolutionary, right? Right. And so he's like, so having that sort of runway completely open up in a different way, this Howard Chudikoff argues, means that all of a sudden numbers and age and how old you are became newly important, like, in the 1950s and ever since. And he points to things like, this blew my mind, Hallmark cards. Like, before then, there wasn't a, like, happy 10th birthday Oh, Lordy, you're 40. Like, look who's nifty in 50s. Like, that was a new thing in, like, the 50s and the 60s and 70s that all of a sudden you kind of thought about or cared about how old you were. Was your five-year-old in kindergarten or were they in first grade? Like, we never thought about that before. And all of a sudden, how old you were and what you were supposed to be doing by certain ages, i.e. getting married by 30, having a kid by 35, whatever. Getting married by 30 is showing your age that, like... yeah. It was used to be getting married by 18. Right. My mom got married at 32 or 33. And I mean, hilariously, like she had letters from people being like, well, you've chosen to live alone. Like the idea that you would get married at 32. And this was in 1968 that she got married. It's not oldie timey days. I mean, it is, but it isn't. And my grandmother had gotten married Mine, too, in her 30s, right. At 30. And I mean, the idea, I'm watching Sandington. Have you watched it on PBS? No. It's kind of a delicious, like, if you like, I was going to say, what's the one that happens at Downton Abbey? It's called Downton Abbey. (laughs) Um, It's that vibe. You know, it's, it's, you know, oh, we can't be together, but we must be together. It's a romance set in the oldie timeies. But the spinster on the show is seven and 20. You know, she's 27 years old. I played a part. Joan Crawford, there's a movie called The Best of Everything. It's based on a great novel, and I did the play in New York City. Anyway, I played the Joan Crawford role. She played it in the movie. And the book is all about how this older woman in the office who always wears a hat, she's sort of the boss. Nobody wants to end up like her. Like all the girls in the typing pool laugh at her behind her back. Who wants to end up like her? She's 33. They find out because they steal her driver's license once, and they laugh at her in the whole book. And the author has pretty much the same point of view but like wow at least i'm not old like her yeah Yeah. and that's what i was thinking laughing when you said amy presented this topic to me to my delight but when you said midlife crisis i really thought you know what's funny is i was pregnant at 41 i was having a baby at 41 we started our business when i was in my mid to late 40s i mean Mm mm-hmm I'm going to have a midlife crisis when I'm like 76 because I'm doing everything so late, you know, and I think it's really interesting. But things have changed. You know, my dad is 88 and he is still taking contract work. He's 88, you know, he's living independently. Right. He's doing his life. If Joe Biden gets elected president, he will be president until he's 86 years old. Like, yeah, it is a different 
time. I mean, we're doing different things. I do think for men, it's different than women. I did laugh at my dad because I was like, I don't think a lot of people are calling 88-year-old women for contract work. I don't think that's ever happening. Like, I think an 88-year-old woman and an 88-year-old man are very different. But, and it's unusual. My, But I was going to say, are there 88-year-old female lawyers? There are probably like 10 of them in the world. Like, things were different then. Yeah, and I I think it's been interesting around this debate about Dianne Feinstein, who's having Mm -hmm. terrible health problems and people are pushing her to retire, saying that her aides are doing a lot of work that some people are pushing back and being like, I think there's men who've been like wheeled in by like, you know, their 23 year old wife who was really casting the vote. Like, yeah, I think old men and old women are different. So midlife crisis, 1965 was when that term was coined. Okay. Social scientist, his name was Elliot Jacques. And he said he was going to study how and why men and women around the age of 40 became disillusioned with work, disenchanted with relationships, and detached from family responsibilities. But as so often happens, his work, his reflections, and the things that came after it tended to regard, I'm quoting here, the male life course as the human norm. And so accounts of midlife crisis were usually framed as a masculine phenomenon, like the seven-year itch. Like, I want to have an affair because my wife bores me. I want to drive a fast car. I want to look younger. Like, these are sort of masculine. Like, I want to express my virility. Yes. And that female midlife crises, of course, exist, but they're different, but they haven't been sort of existed. Are they more like existential? Like, what's it all about? It's been argued that women's midlife crises, to the extent that they exist, and certainly, I would say, as expressed on our Facebook page, which is where this conversation really started, which inspired me, women's midlife crises involve the family, the home, kids leaving, their changing roles in terms of the people that they love and take care of. They express that as central or at least part of the crisis that they're having more often than men do, or at least they have until now. So interesting. I think I'm throwing off the curve a little bit because, again, I have a child in elementary school and I am old. You know, it's just funny to me that like kids leaving home feels very far off to me still. Mm -hmm. And that's not normal because I will be in my 60s and I will still have a high schooler. Yeah. Lucky you, I guess. (laughs) Uh, You could argue it both ways, Amy. Let's be very, very honest. So you take me to the next point, which is sort of how old are we when we have a midlife crisis? So let me go back to because we haven't given a proper shout out. This was a listener on our Facebook page. Great. Shout it out. She brought this topic. I'll link to it in the show notes. And she said, who has been through the midlife crisis and how did you deal? I'm turning 40 next week and I feel like I've wasted my life. How can I get over the what ifs? Mm. We have advice. Advice is coming. And I read that, and of course, my reaction is like, 40? Like, kid? Like, slow your roll. Listen, kid. You like took out your Campbell cigarettes and were like, listen up, kiddo. Right. But that's not fair or appropriate. And she's, I mean, I remember as I approached, I remember as I approached 30 and then also 40. Like, have I done what I'm supposed to be doing by this point? What Mm. do I have to show for myself? What do I have behind me versus what do I have before me? Is it enough? I think that it's normal to have that existential crisis and, you know, 40th birthday is one opportunity where that can happen. I feel like I have the reverse of that, which is I feel like I'm always like, do I have enough runway left? Right. Like I got married at 36 and I was like, do I have enough runway left to fit in kids? Like, do I have enough runway left to fit in a second career? Like, 
do I have enough runway left to get the things done I want to do? And I feel like I see the runway shortening more than I look back and see not enough. What is it all meant? Right. Yeah, I'm not as much not what is it all meant as like, I feel like I'm always playing chicken with life. Like I met a guy when I was... 35 and got married and had three kids like that's pretty lucky you know that's pretty good I smushed it in right at the end so here's three ways that Elliot Jacques the the corner of midlife crisis says that it can play out that it can appear and again this seems to have played out with the people on our Facebook page it's compulsive attempts to remain young okay yes and particularly hard for women and particularly assigned to women wouldn't you say Well, I mean, it really is getting insane. Like the arms race of staying young is I do think that we talk about this with my mom's mom and her sister, like they didn't even really have hair dye or weren't that interested in it. Like they definitely just committed to like a gray curly perm in their 50s. (laughs) Yes. And then they looked that way forever. They look like little old ladies, probably from late 50s to death, right? Like they had the same gray permed hairstyle and like floral house coat. It was like, I'm hanging it up. And both of their husbands were also dead by then. I mean, it's like they were like little old widow ladies by the time they were in their 50s. And then like my grandma was like literally J-Lo's age when she committed to the gray perm and the house coat. You know, I mean, my grandma was beautiful. She didn't walk around in a house coat. I'm not trying to like goof on her at all. But the idea that like, I don't know, is J-Lo 54 or something? And she's like Mm -hmm. on the cover of like bikini magazines with like long flowing hair. She looks like a 16 year old. It's Absurd. It's an arms race. With almost zero original parts at this point. Like, we have access to things. JLo, like, takes human growth hormone and she's had, like, 75 plastic surgeries. So there's things that weren't available to our mothers and grandmothers in terms of looking younger. And I think that was a freedom in a way. A huge freedom. I think about when I was growing up, the the moms at the like town pool kind of thing would all be wearing, like, those skirted bathing suits that everybody wore in the 80s. Yes. And that moms were in the 80s. And I look back like, yeah, like they were 38 and they were just, oh, well, I guess I'm done with that. And I'm I'm sure they had midlife crises of their own. But there was just something about like you weren't even supposed to keep trying. So it was okay. Like downside, hang it up. You're 40 and you're done. Like, right. Your husband's going to have a heart attack soon and it's over. Right. That's a downside. Considering that I was like just starting a family at 40. Yep. But like upside, you were not expected to be like in a pleather bikini at the pool when you were 50 years old. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's a mixed bag, Amy. A mixed bag. All right. So compulsive attempts to remain young. And this kind of goes with it. The hypochondriacal concern over health and appearance. I mean, appearance, but then also health. And I don't like the word hypochondriacal there. I think that like I was saying to somebody the other day that like. After 45, let's say, the weird pain may kill you. Like, it's definitely (laughs) a time of your life where, like, yeah, you can be a hypochondriac about it, but also realistically, like, it's happened now. Like, someone you know has died, right, of a strange young illness. Right, or has had that thing that turned out to be a thing. That's the thing. It turned out to be a thing that happened to be a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think I consider myself not very hypochondriacal or whatever the word is. But I do recognize that, like, 
the weird pain thing might be the thing. You know, when I have Mm -hmm. this week, I was having a weird like chest pain problem. And I am sure it was like gas or something was bothering me. It was nothing. But I'm like, "Eh, it could be the thing. This could be the thing. Yes. Going with the weird pain. It could always be the thing now. Get your tests, get your, you know, mammograms and your colonoscopies. We're definitely not saying not to do those things. I do those things, but I don't spend time worrying about what if there's something wrong. Yeah, but I don't think it's a ridiculous worry either. Because like, no, it could be that weird pain. It's not that likely to kill you when you're 25. And I think you can J-Lo deny your age all you like. And God bless J-Lo. I'm not coming for her. I think she looks amazing. God bless her. She's working hard. But you can't actually deny the fact that you are older. Even J-Lo is in a futile race against time. Sorry, J-Lo. We love you. But you're dropping hot beats while you're doing it. There's one more way a midlife crisis manifests. I'll tell you what it is when we get back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to seeing optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate? Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H.com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Okay, so midlife crisis. I mean, some of us are soaking in it. You start trying to look younger. You start worrying about the time you have left and your health. And you have this existential thing about what it all means. And the last thing, this is Elliot Jacques who sort of defined the term. So we can agree with him or not. But this is what he said. You develop a hollowness and a lack of genuine enjoyment (laughs) of life. 
No, disagree. I think that's what this listener was saying, which is like, I just like, I'm turning 40 and I just have this like, what have I done? And I'll quote Valerie, who agreed with this listener. And she said, I don't feel sad exactly. I just feel blah. Everything in my life feels like an obligation. Oh, and I think this is what he's getting at. And this doesn't last forever, but people are in it. And I identify with having had these feelings. For sure. I mean, definitely like... I have a lot of youngs in my life right now, whether my nieces or nephews or even, you know, my sisters-in-law are still on the young side of young. And it's definitely like I go into New York City now. I live in the burbs. But whenever I go into the city, I'm like, youth. It was so great. Like just going to a bar. You don't know who you're going to meet. You might kiss somebody. You might meet a cute bartender. Like the phone could ring and like you could still win the Oscar, you know, like it could still happen. Like that screenplay I'm writing, like right, right. I might still marry George Clooney when I'm 25, you know, like back when I was 25, he's mm-hmm. taken ladies. But you know what I mean? Like the world is endless possibilities, which is so exciting and fun. Right. And I do feel like I delayed as long as possible. Like I didn't want to get married at 25. I wanted like I wanted I loved the infinite possible I loved it and I do miss the infinite possible that's exactly what it is and then when you're turning 40 you're like why didn't I go to law school what if I married person B instead of person A what if we never left the city what if we you know hadn't stayed in the city like in right what if I had gone back to college like all these things you're locked down that's what it is yeah the infinite possible is definitely gone and you don't really know when it's coming like you don't know the last day you're ever going to look good in a bikini like you don't know it it just Mm -hmm. comes and goes people say that about kids all the time like you never know the last day you'll pick them up and I'm like "Eh, it's fine you know they get heavy put them down yeah yeah but it is true right you don't know yes like it is definitely like If you stay married, you're done kissing hot Irish bartenders. It does stink. Like, Mm -hmm. and it definitely stinks for my husband, too. Like, but I definitely found that phase of life. I loved being in the infinite possible, but I don't miss the anxiety of the infinite possible. And so I think you have to be somewhat realistic about like, the infinite possible. I had horrible anxiety attacks when I was in the infinite possible because I was like, I could marry George Clooney upside. I could miss the boat and never find someone and not have kids. Scary. I'm glad to be done with the scary, I guess. Well, I hate to tell you, but I think you might have a scary part ahead of you. And I wonder if some of our listeners who are younger than us are having or in this developmental phase. We talked about this on a recent episode and I brought up Lawrence Steinberg uh, wrote this book called Crossing Paths. And he suggested, because he was studying like midlife crises in men and women, and he suggests that it's triggered not by your own age, but by your kid's developmental age. This is obviously for parents, not for non-parents. That he could predict whether somebody was having feelings of midlife crisis. He didn't call it that, but their crisis of confidence, their unhappiness. He could predict whether somebody was in that phase by asking her how old her kids were. Tell me more. I want to understand that more. Okay, so he said, I'll give you a long quote because it's worthwhile. He says, our children act as yardsticks for our assessments of ourselves. And that regardless of the quality of the relationship, he says, parents' mental health worsens when their firstborn child moves from childhood into adolescence. During this transition, parents' self-esteem declines significantly. We could not predict this turn for the worse simply by knowing the parents' chronological age. The 
drop in self-esteem is not tied to turning 40 or to any specific age for that matter. If that were true, you would see you know similar patterns. Everybody turns 40 and there's a drop in happiness. But he didn't. He said, rather, we found we were much better able to predict what an adult was going through psychologically by looking at her child's development than by knowing that adult's age. That makes sense. So he argues in this book, we talked about it with the empty nest. I said to you that really stuck with me is it's the emptying nest. That's the moment of crisis, particularly mm-hmm. for the primary parent who is the mother in my case, that your child, like getting ready for your child to leave home feels huge when it's ahead of you or your 40th birthday feels huge when it's ahead of you. And then as soon as it's passed, you're like, oh, it's actually like, it's fine. I'm still here and things are a little different, but that's okay. That it's in the empty nest is actually peaceful and kind of great, but the emptying nest is very stressful. For sure. And I've seen that in women that I know. It's like my youngest is about to go to college. My youngest is about to leave the house. Like, now what? And you were saying like, it's infinite possibility. Like when we were 24, infinite possibility was exciting and scary. And now you're 44 and it's infinite possibility and it's exciting and scary, right? I can do anything at all. I could go back to school if I wanted to. And instead of feeling happy and excited about that, it can kind of freak us out. And I do think that it's a little bit different. I have two other jobs outside of raising my kids. When my kids were little, I had one job. I was this stay-at-home mom, basically. I wrote a little bit freelance, but barely, 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 barely. Right. And... I do think that that is a point of my life where I was riding the wave of the kids. Like if we had a good day, we all had a good day. If we had a bad day, we all had a bad day. And I think that for being in a situation where you are staying home with kids and like I know for myself right now that my home life to a certain degree is the least fulfilling part of my life because my kids are tweens and teens and they've kind of turned on me like they think I'm cringe they're over it (laughs) I am not doing any of their activities because I'm not a fan of middle school activities because middle schoolers are mean and smelly and I don't want to be around them like the enjoyment that I used to take from being at home and like a lot of hugging, a lot of mommy, a lot of work. I mean, one of my kids has truly, it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. This kid was like, the sun only rose when I said it did. You know, I was the hero of the household. And now it's truly like, I'm completely disgusted by the lameness that is you and all you embody. (laughs) And we used to have discussions when this kid was little because this kid was and I were just like besties. Right. And I'm like, oh, I can't imagine. That'll never happen. Thank God it did. It's developmentally appropriate. That's right. But I do think that if I wasn't working right now, I would be in a period of real distress because like... You know, my husband and I, we get along great. We have a great relationship. But, like, it's not full of romance and, you know, will they or won't they? They will. They have. They did. It's Mm -hmm. over, you know. (laughs) And my kids are kind of over me. Like, I am a little bit odd man out at the house right now. And to some degree that my kids are... They're very attached to their dad, which is equally annoying. Like, they're not as annoyed by him as they are by me. And I am finding myself at home, like on an island. And so I'm turning a little bit more to work. But I do see that, like, this period of life as a homemaker is very unfulfilling and not great. And so you have something else that fulfills you outside. I'm lucky to say yes. Yeah. Right. But I hate to say, like, somebody listening to this is like, well, great, but like I didn't work for the last 15 years. What am I supposed right. to do? And like this, it's just something else to feel bad about or stress that you don't have in place. It's a source of fulfillment that 
we're going to talk in the last segment about what different listeners are suggesting because there's so many good pieces of advice. But it occurs to me thinking about the, the responses as a whole, the people are suggesting fulfillment, like finding fulfillment that's just for you. And that might be a job and it might be running a marathon and it might be crocheting and it might be I'm going to read every book that Mark Twain ever wrote, whatever. It's something that you want to do that's just for you that isn't in service of making you a better servant to other people, but it's just for you. That's going to get you through when you start to feel like, what is it? all this even for I do think that's true and I'm not saying like because I have a job I'm fully fulfilled and that stuff doesn't bother me like it does and it's hard so I think like you're at this point in your life and you're like you know what fulfills me and what is all this for and you know you start to think about what you haven't accomplished what isn't on the big board instead of what is right and it's at these times that you have a choice right like what can you add Mm -hmm. What can you take away? What can you replace? And to try to reframe it for yourself as a moment of opportunity rather than a like, well, things only come off the board from here on out. Oh, I think that's so good. And you say that all the time. What can I add and what can I take away? And I think for me right now, my board is what can I take away? Like, that's just the season that I happen to be in right now. I'm a little Mm -hmm. overdoing it and I'm probably giving my family a little bit short shrift and I have to watch it because my family is also kind of annoying right now. And so I have to watch being like, I can take everything away from those loons. Right. I've been there. It's like, all right, I'll see you all later. Yeah. I'm out, people. Right. And I definitely don't want to respond to my children being in an annoying teen phase by being like, I guess I'll spend time at my job with Amy, my real friend who (laughs) likes me. You know, like, that's not great. So I have to watch that. But yeah, I think adding sometimes, and I think it sounds a little twee sometimes, which is like, get a volunteer position. It's like, right, shut up. Like, I don't want a volunteer position. My whole life is meaningless and dead. Right. But I do think that fulfillment can look like a lot of different things. And I think fulfillment sometimes for me, I have to remember that like, reading a novel that I enjoy is fulfilling. Like it's not, fulfillment doesn't mean winning the Oscar. You know, fulfilling doesn't mean like getting my bikini body back at 50. Like, but going to the gym can feel fulfilling. Yes. And putting myself first and reading a novel and like getting outside for 20 minutes a day. Like, I think sometimes the fulfillment goal feels like start a foundation that solves hunger in your town. Like, no, 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 that's not it. Right. This isn't an invitation towards like hacking yourself and self-improvement and fixing all the things, all your shortcomings. Right. I think it's like fulfillment is really just like making as much better, not even making as much, making a few things better is fulfillment. Fulfillment isn't like changing the world okay i like all right i want to hear more solutions when we get back we have solutions amy you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top toast with peanut butter it's also by the way one of my favorite power breakfasts. so we agree on that thing we were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter and i'm gonna tell you we used hero bread it adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no-net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while 
still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. And now, things you say in your 20s versus things you say in midlife. From the What Fresh Out podcast. 20s. Uh, I drank too many shots of Goldschlager and it is the worst decision I've ever made. Midlife. Uh, I drink a cup of coffee after 2 p.m. and it's the worst decision I've ever made. 20s. I hope this boy likes me. I wonder how I could adapt every part of who I am. Midlife. I'm going to the grocery store in my pajamas. If folks don't like it, they don't like it. Too bad. 20s. I have a headache. I should drink some water. Midlife. I have a headache. I have Googled headache. I will surely be dead within the year. 20s. How can I get people to notice me? Midlife. How can I get literally everyone on earth never to speak to me again? 20s. Oh, I hurt myself running that half marathon. Midlife. Oh, I hurt myself folding laundry. This has been Things You Say in Your 20s versus Things You Say in Midlife. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Amy, we need some solutions. I don't feel like fulfillment. I think we got to drill down on that as a solution. Okay, well, our listeners on our Facebook page, which you probably already are on our Facebook page, but if you're not, facebook.com slash groups slash What Fresh Hellcast. Listeners can speak to one another. It is a wonderful place to be. And this listener who talked about turning 40 and having this midlife crisis got fantastic advice from other listeners. We have a selection to share for you. Christina said this. It's what we were saying before, but it's better. She says, this is an opportunity to stop getting bogged down by past expectations or goals that were never really mine. My life looks nothing like I expected it would or what others might see as a standard success of achievement, but it works for me every day. Oh, this is huge. 
I know someone who recently went to the college reunion of a very, very famous and fancy university. And they were remarking that it does seem like the people who are happy are the people who are not trying to show you how happy they are and how successful they are. Mm. And that there are people who have achieved incredible things, partly probably by attending this extremely high profile and fancy named university. And that there are people who have not or have and are not talking about it, but that happiness and big ticket achievement do not seem to necessarily lay on the same strand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that if people understood that more, they would be much happier. And I do think that, like, you're only a mom. Like, I know... A lot of people who have attended these fancy I was just places. thinking being at their reunion and like, what do and you like, do? Oh, you're, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're a mom. I'm with like, my kids. I guess I'll pat you on the head and go right. talk to Keep the person moving. who is the fancy oligarch of fanciness over here. <laughs> and it's like, no. And I think as boring and trite as it sounds, the idea that happiness lies in a magic box in a field somewhere that you unlock by getting fancy jobs or making fancy amounts of money. I hate to tell you, this is not true. Because it would be easier if it was. Like, if you could, like, run the race, get first place, and unlock the box of happiness as a result, like, I would be like, go start training. Run as fast as you can. But sadly, the box in the woods does not exist. The goals, others' expectations. This reminds me of the conversation I had with Rainsford Stauffer about her book about ambition. Just that ambition when you're chasing goals that somebody else said were things you should care about, whether it's like perfect attendance or like passing the bar, right? These are, you need to discern like, are these things I want or are these things I think I'm supposed to want or somebody else told me to want? That maybe the midlife crisis is a time to say, Brene Brown has some amazing quote about midlife is when the universe grabs you by the shoulders and whispers in your ear, I'm not messing around. Mm. This is it. And that can, I don't know, that sounds kind of scary as an invitation, but it is an opportunity to be like, take that stuff off the board. You never wanted to do it anyway. So stop worrying that you didn't do it. Right. And like, let the countdown work in your favor a little bit. Like Mm. the runway is getting shorter. Like, what do you want to do? Right. What do you want to get really intentional? But what do you want to do has to be realistic. So like, what do I want to do? One of my favorite books in the world is about Zelda Fitzgerald. I think it's just called Zelda. And it's this fascinating study of this very passionate woman. But she becomes obsessed with becoming a prima ballerina in like her 30s, maybe. And it's kind of a portrait of madness. Like you're not going to become and she works like crazy at it and she becomes obsessed with it. And like you got to align the goal with some (laughs) realities like. You know, I don't know. Bikini model is probably not my... Although they just put Martha Stewart on the cover of Sports Illustrated. She's 80. So maybe my modeling career is going to take off. Maybe. But I do think that it can sound kind of twee to be like, oh, just find your own happiness. It was inside of you all along, Dorothy. And listen, I do still occasionally see things in entertainment with, you know, nemeses of my past doing extremely well. And I'm not going to say that I'm like, 
but I have the happiness right. of a loving home. Happy? Like, Are they I happy? do feel the stabbing <laughs> feeling in my eyes, and it hurts me. Like, right. I'm not like, well, my box of happiness is at the home and hearth, so I worry not. Like, of course, I'm like, that seems like happiness to me. Like, right. winning the Oscar does seem like happiness to me, and I'm annoyed that that yeah. happened for someone who is not me, who I used to know. Joni says for her midlife crisis, she got a tattoo and started CrossFit. Yes, please. She stopped dying on the mom's sword of martyrdom and started doing more things I wanted to do, says Joni. I like that. Yeah, I like putting yourself at the center of the story. And I warn you, I am the hag of childhood future, possibly. I do think that this time of the kids turning on you and then eventually leaving is coming and that yeah best start focusing on yourself at some point whether that is taking up needlepoint or whether it is doing crossfit or whether it is getting tattoos or whether it is going and getting a degree and starting a new profession that if your spouse and children are an extremely significant portion of your source of happiness it's putting a lot of pressure on something that is changing and yeah. that Maybe you don't have enough tent poles in the ground. Lawrence Steinberg says in his book, it was such a sad, good point about like when adolescents reach adolescent, they quite appropriately, as you have said earlier in this episode, want to be with you less. It's appropriate. They start valuing their peers more than their parents. And he has some turn of phrase like, unfortunately, this need is not at all matched by a similar need in the parent. So the parents' right. needs for connection stay the same and the adolescents' need for connection completely change. And that's and hard. Another thing I would point out is that they still need connection, but they don't want to need it. And so it manifests sometimes in like, you must stink. And that's why I don't want to be connected with you. And so it's not even like a pure like, fly, little birdie, and I will <laughs> sit here in my proudness and watch you go. It's like, my bird is pooping all over the nest. Right. And biting me off and yelling i never liked you anyway as it flies away and yelling everything <laughs> you believe is dumb as it flies away and like flipping you off like it's not a wonderful magical time right and so i do think that it is important to it doesn't mean you have to start a foundation it doesn't mean you need to like take up an opera career that left you as a young person listen I had Hollywood dreams. I was Tina Fey in my own mind, and I was not Tina Fey in anyone else's mind. And I realized that, like, that ship has sailed. No one's looking for the midlife lady to come along and be like, I'm going to write a comedy show. I mean, I probably could have done it, and maybe I could have been successful. I didn't see the path back, and I started a different path, which I'm very happy to be on now. Right. I was going to say, literally, nobody listening would be like, oh, well, at least you didn't, like, here's a comedian who never found an audience. You found an audience. You yeah. just stopped chasing this one very limited path that was only available to one or two people, and Tina Fey kind of grabbed the spot. <laughs> took my spot. For both of us. <laughs> yeah, took both of our spots, as right. it turns out. Yeah, and as you said, I don't want to be like, so start a comedy podcast, because that's what we did. Like, we have right. also found some pretty rare ground and rare air here, and we can't discount that. But I will say in another segment of my life, I'm a teacher, and it has given me as much fulfillment, 
no offense, Amy, as working on the podcast and having this job, it doesn't pay any money. So, you know, without another job, I would be financially in a very different position. But I don't think it, I really think I speak from experience when I say this small, not very recognized teaching job changed the course of my life Mm -hmm. as an adult. And I think that it doesn't have to be big and fancy. It, you don't have to be famous from it. Like You don't have to be Times 100 Most Interesting People, right? <laughs> you don't. None of us are 100 Most Interesting People. We're not even like people, our friends, Most Interesting People. It's fine. Like, right. we're hopefully we're someone's Most Interesting People. But I do think when in doubt, like find a passion. And I would say, although it's a little bit corny, when in doubt, try to help other people. Because I do think that that is very fulfilling. Stephanie says she went through a midlife crisis at 35 and she started something that has really helped her several years later. She made a year of list. Mm. She says it's things I want to accomplish each year and then I do them. It's not a New Year's resolution thing. It's just a stuff I want to do this year. Stuff like community service hours to she put that on the top of her own list, reading a certain number of new books, learning a new skill, something adventurous. It helps me feel like I'm accomplishing things and experiencing life even as I continue the day to day slog. I'm 41 now and this has helped me quite a bit. Oh, I love that is poster worthy advice. Mm -hmm. That is live, laugh, love on the wall level advice. That is really, really smart. You know, I'm going to make a note of this in December. uh, Let's do a year of episode and I want to hear your list for 2024. I would love to. All right. I would love to. Thanks for that amazing idea, Stephanie. Lillian says finding a job outside of her home has been life changing. And this was recent. She says, it caused some growing pains and anger. My husband didn't really understand why I needed something other than being his wife and their mother, especially since we are financially set. But it wasn't that I wanted them less. I just wanted something in addition. So I went out and I got it. Lillian, I have a friend Lillian who's like driving a bus around town. She's driving a huge bus. And I'm like, it's so cool. Why is it so cool? You know how to drive a bus. It's just stretching your capabilities and figuring out what's next. I had a friend who moved to London with her family for a while and for her spouse's job and the kids were in school and she got a job at Starbucks. (laughs) Yeah. Because she wanted to. (laughs) Like, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm going to go like hang out at Starbucks for like 10 hours a week and meet people. And 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 she zero regrets. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I feel like we need another episode on this. Like what's next and like digging into even more of this advice. All right. I had so much to say about my own midlife that we didn't get to enough of the advice. It is. But I have to end with Clarice's advice because, yes, this is a big one. Clarice says, just as children go through phases, we adults do the same thing. Trust me. 40s are okay. 50s are better, etc. Enjoy and appreciate every day. I'm heading for 90 oh. and I wake up grateful each day for what I have left. I love it. Put that in a bottle. Thank you, Clarice. Clarice, you really got us through this one. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Clarice solved it. Yeah, exactly. No more midlife crises. We solved it. No. Hellions, have you signed up for our newsletter? If you go to our website, wafeshellpodcast.com, or you click the link in the show notes for this episode, you can see this month's newsletter where we're talking about the stuff we're reading, the stuff we're watching, the stuff we're cooking, even more fun stuff that we don't talk about in these episodes. And we would love to include you. So sign up. And with that, thanks so much for listening. And we will talk to you next time. So long.
everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.